we must deny those things and make the sacrifices necessary to continue to love, to continue to forgive. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Our scripture lesson this morning can be found in the Gospel of Mark, the 8th chapter, beginning with verse 27 and continuing through verse 38. I sometimes think that the most difficult commandment Jesus gave us was this, let not your hearts be troubled. It's hard to live uh, with an untroubled heart. Uh, There's so much that goes on in our world uh, that troubles us. In this passage, Jesus is talking with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, and he tells them some things that they didn't hear in Sunday school, some things that they never imagined hearing, and it's troubling to them. And Peter is the one who speaks up and is noticed for uh, getting into the most trouble, which is, which is typical of Peter, but I kind of respect that too. At least he offered to say what he, what he thought. Hear the word of God this day, read in your presence. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words In this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. Let us pray. O Lord, there are passages we read and they trouble our hearts just as they did those early disciples. But help us to listen, to give our attention to what You would say to us with an open heart. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Anticipointment, uh, not disappointment, but anticipointment is uh, the feeling that you get when you are so excited about something that you are anticipating, but then when you actually experience it, 
you're disappointed. So it is the feeling of excitement you have that turns into disappointment when what you have anticipated has not lived up to your expectations. We've all experienced anticipation. This is one of those moments with the disciples. They never imagined that the Messiah would somehow uh, suffer and be rejected. They had heard from the time they first started going to the synagogue, they had been taught all of their lives that the coming of the Messiah would be a time of victory and restoration, that God would restore through the Messiah God's people, that this would be winning time, as they say, that these would be the gloriest of glory days. And so when Jesus reaches Caesarea Philippi and He says, well, what what are people saying about me? And they say, well, you know, some say you're John and some say you're Elijah and still one of the prophets but who do you say? And they have the right answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then he says, well, let me tell you what is to happen to me. And he said, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to die. Well, they never heard that in Sunday school. They were never raised to believe that that would happen uh, to the Messiah. So messianic problems, those two words they could not put together in their own mind. It was too much for them to kind of get their head around that it was possible for that to happen to the Son of Man. So there was this great anticipation. They had anticipated so much of the Messiah, and now they're so terribly disappointed because Jesus is telling them, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. What you have Uh, anticipated and expected is not going to be fulfilled. And so you're going to be disappointed. Have you ever anticipated something and when you finally experienced it, it didn't live up quite to what you hoped it would? Have you ever had a meal and people had told you there's no better place to get a steak or whatever it was, whatever it is, it's your favorite food, and, and you go there and your mouth is watering when you enter the restaurant and then they bring the food out and you eat it and it's just not what you thought it would be. It's kind of disappointing. Have you ever anticipated a movie coming out and you couldn't wait to get to the movie or wait to order the movie and watch it at home and when you finally did, it kind of just didn't really live up to your expectations. Have you ever anticipated the publishing of a book And when the book came out, uh, you actually went and bought it and held it in your hand, decided you weren't going to read this one on Kindle, that you were going to hold this one in your lap and read it that way. And you finished the book and you thought, man, that did not live up to my expectations. That's what they're going through here, anticipation. Paul McCartney, a pretty familiar name for us, I think. One of the Beatles once said, anticipation is when an old band makes a new song, but it doesn't make their fans feel any younger again. just doesn't have the same effect, you know. It's just not quite the same. We get it, but it's hard to get. And they were mystified. Peter went so far as to rebuke him. And Jesus went so far as to call him Satan. I mean, that must have been an awful moment. But here they are, and they're hearing something 
they never anticipated hearing. Augustine said, the greater the joy, the greater the pain that precedes the joy. We don't want to hear that, do we? The greater the joy, the greater the pain that precedes the joy. But that is to be uh, the story. And then Jesus moves farther down the road when He says to them, not only is this going to happen to me, but here's what's going to happen if you want to follow me. Here's what you need to do. You need to deny yourself and take up your own cross and follow me. Well, those words don't lead to an untroubled heart either. That's hard to hear that we are to deny ourselves. The degree of difficulty of self-denial on a scale of one to a hundred is a hundred. To, to ignore ourselves is something that's very hard to do. And yet Jesus says one of the fundamental things I invite you to do is to deny yourself if, if, if you want to follow in my steps, if you want to be my people. Lewis Mead says, forgiveness is giving up the right to get even. Aren't there times in in your life when you just kind of want to get even? Somebody has treated you poorly and all you can think about is settling that score? At the very least, treating them poorly if that doesn't settle the score. But forgiveness is giving up the right to get even. It means you're always going to be behind. You're not always going to be leading because you're willing to forgive and that means the score will never quite be even. You'll always be behind in the score. But it means that you make a a commitment and I make a commitment. We, We make a commitment to forgive and that means giving up that right to get even. It means a willingness to set ourselves aside. Ladders are crosses, is it not? We are accustomed to climbing ladders, and there's not anything wrong with that. I'm not here to criticize that. We all enjoy winning. We all enjoy a promotion. We all enjoy a salary increase. We all enjoy affirmation. We all appreciate a pat on the back. We like climbing ladders, and that's part of the world that we live in. We hope to move up that ladder. We hope to have some measure of success as the world defines it. But Jesus would say, that's not all wrong, but let me share with you something more important. Take up your cross and follow me. That's so much more difficult. Would you rather climb a ladder or lift a cross? I would rather climb a ladder. I'm not, I'm not crazy about denying myself and taking up my cross, but Jesus says it's fundamental to the relationship we have with Him. And if we're not willing to do that, 
then that brings into question the quality of relationship that we have with Him. That's a hard word. That leads to an untroubled heart. Giving up the right to get even. There's a word that's been going around for a number of years now, a German word, schadenfreude. We don't even translate it anymore. We just take that word and we know what that German word means. It means... It means enjoying or getting some pleasure out of the problems or the struggles or the misfortunes of someone that you don't like. Schadenfreude. It means clapping when somebody is getting what we believe they deserve. It means going to the movie and there's somebody in the movie that has been a terrible person the entire movie and at the end of the movie they finally get what's coming to them and that is schadenfreude when we rejoice in what they are experiencing. We understand that. We've seen people that we have felt were abusive and unethical and immoral and it's hard not to take pleasure when they get their comeuppance. And yet Jesus said that we must deny those things and make the sacrifices necessary to continue to love, to continue to forgive, to continue to offer mercy to continue to live a life that is permeated with grace. How can, how can we, we not when we are a people who are here only by the grace of God? How can we not? And yet sometimes that whole self-denial thing is the degree of difficulty is 100 out of 100. We, I won't speak for you. I believe in a third day God, but I live in a second day world. I believe in a third day God, but I live in a second day world. Uh, the third day Christ rose from the dead. Victory. That's winning time. And, and in a few weeks we'll gather back here and it'll be winning time. And we'll celebrate that victory, that victory over death that is appropriated to us because of what He's done. But we live in a second day world, don't we? And on that second day, they were disillusioned. They had no idea what was happening. They were bummed out. They thought all had been lost. They had such hopes and such dreams, and yet those were not going to be fulfilled as they had imagined. And so we continue to live in a second-day world. That's the world we live in, even though we believe in a third-day God. Let's, let's look at that a little more closely for a minute. There's a warehouse in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The informal name of it is a Museum of Fail Products. 
the Museum of Failed Products. Now, if you go to Ann Arbor and you say, I want to go to see the Museum of Failed Products, they're not going to know what you're talking about. But if you tell them to take you to that warehouse where they keep all those things that were never very successful, you might be getting closer to the address. I don't even know if you can go, but as I understand it, when you go, it's like a supermarket. But instead of having 30 loaves of bread or 30 items of this or that, there's just one. And it's that failed product. So the shelves are covered with these failed products. There's Pepsi AM. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Martha does. No one else does. Okay. Martha, you win the prize today. I don't know what that will be, but after worship, we'll give you a piece of candy or something. But that's, that was a breakfast drink that Pepsi developed. It's now in the Museum of Failed Products. There's beer there that's caffeinated caffeinated beer so that you can not only drink your coffee and get a jolt, but you can drink a beer and instead of going to sleep, it can kind of pick you up a little bit. Not too many people were looking for that because it's in the Museum of Failed Products. And then there are Snookies. Snookies were fortune cookies for dogs. They were fortune snookies instead of fortune cookies. Somebody thought, why don't we create fortune cookies uh, for dogs? They, I mean, I don't know that I don't like that idea. I don't know that I really like it. It's kind of meaningless. But we buy, we buy a lot of meaningless stuff, don't we? And so uh, you kind of wonder why that did not work. But anyway, there's this warehouse in which there are all these things that failed. I need to be there. I need to be in the museum of a failed product. And frankly, don't be offended, but so do you. We live in a second day world. And we have, we've known our own failure too. Now, I'm not here to harp on that. I think we realize that about ourselves. This second day world we live in. And as serious as this passage is, I think what I want to share with you today is, you know, don't lose your sense of humor. Sometimes Christians just don't have a sense of humor. We take ourselves so seriously. Here's the deal. I don't take myself too seriously, and I hope you don't either. But I take the gospel seriously. I certainly want to be faithful to that, but I don't, I don't really, you know, have the capacity, the ability to laugh at yourself. You're in the museum of failed products. You know, you're forgiven. When I was at Dallas years ago, my district superintendent, Charles Hoover, called me and said, the bishop wants to come to the district on Easter Sunday. And I said, that's great. Where are you taking him? I don't want him coming here by any stretch. I don't need that pressure on Easter. And he said, well, I'm bringing him to your church, Chuck, because he wants to preach. He said, most most bishops won't make the preacher leave their pulpit on Easter Sunday. But this bishop wants to do that. So, Chuck, I've chosen you. 
and uh, he's coming to your place. Whenever the bishop comes, uh, well, there was a time that whenever the bishop came, that was, that was nervous town. It was nervous church day, not so much anymore. You kind of reach the place where they, they can't do a whole lot to you at this juncture of my life, and so it's just a little bit different, you know. Uh, so anyway, the story's told of a bishop coming to the Catholic parish on Confirmation Sunday. It could be no worse time to be evaluated in such an important service. But the bishop's coming, and uh, the priest is beside himself. The bishop comes, and the confirmands gather, and the bishop asks Margaret, Margaret, what is matrimony? And Margaret says, she's trying. Matrimony is a state of torment <laughs> endured for a time to prepare us for a better and brighter world. And the priest is just, he can't believe Margaret has blown it. And he says, Margaret, that's purgatory, not matrimony. And the bishop looks at the priest and says, leave Margaret alone, Father. What do you and I know about it? <laughs> Sometimes... We need to just kind of, if you're going to be the light of the world, lighten up. <laughs> lighten up. We believe in a third day God, but we live in a second day world. Self-denial means outworking your enemies. It means working harder than your enemies. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Darkness can never drive out darkness. Only light can. I will choose love because hate is just too heavy a burden to bear. Outwork your enemies. Yusef Karsh was a photographer. He said to be the greatest photographer of portraits uh, who ever lived. He was an Armenian living in Turkey, and he had to leave Armenia and go to Canada because of the Armenian genocide. But he recalls in his autobiography uh, going to school as a child and being an Armenian in Turkey which meant you were kind of on the outside looking in. And he said one day as he was on his way out the door to go to school that his mother noticed he had something in his pockets and she asked him what he had in his pockets and he said each day he went to school he filled up his pockets with rocks. Because every day that he went to school he was beat up and he was made fun of. And his mother said to him, 
Do not ever lower yourself to the level of your enemies. If you must throw rocks, make sure you miss. If you must throw rocks, make sure you miss. That will never in a thousand years convert your enemy. Outwork your enemy. Sometimes it's just work to do it. And we can give in to the challenges of our enemies or we can overcome that. But we will never overcome hate with hate. We only overcome hate with love. We will never overcome darkness with more darkness. We will only overcome darkness with light. Outwork your enemies. Where they sow vengeance, you sow forgiveness. Where they sow domination, you sow cooperation. Where they sow violence, you sow peace. Where they sow greed, you sow generosity. Where they sow falsehoods, you sow the truth. Outwork your enemies. That demands we deny ourselves and take up our cross. Self-denial is terribly hard. 100 out of 100 in degree of difficulty. And sometimes we're beaten down by it all. That's why we must understand we have a third day God, but we're living in a second day world. Don't give up. And just go to work. Roll up your sleeves and go to work. And outwork your enemies. Love is light. Love is light. When you come into a group of people, do you bring light into that moment? Wherever you go, whomever you're with, when you're with them, are you bringing light to that moment, light to those circumstances. It's a second day world. It's not going to meet our expectations. There's going to be anticipation. But we must never yield to being light. And love is light. Why did Jesus say, this is my commandment? Why did He say that? He could have framed that differently. He could have said, here's something I think is really important. Here is a commandment that I want you to remember. He could have framed it differently, but He didn't. They quote Him as saying, this is my commandment, that you love one another the way that I have loved you. That's light. That's light. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never overcome it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at Athens First. UMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week 
by following us on Instagram or Facebook at Athens First UMC. Oh Lord, I'm getting